above the mass, I watch the swirl of smoke from candles burning. While Mary looked up yearning, I got confirmed and I confessed. I really felt that I was blessed. Plus, I love my uniform. So did the boy who lived next door. But something changed when I became of age. And all those things I thought were true, someday I'd break the big time. And welcome to WOZO Radio 103.9 LPFM, live in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, this is the Free Thought Radio Hour, brought to you by the Rationalists of East Tennessee and the Atheist Society of Knoxville. I'm Dowder Five, and I'm here with Ty Wombat. Hey, welcome, welcome back, Wombat, uh, by phone. Yeah, we're going to try to make this work. It's been pretty good. I have pretty good luck with it in the past, so we're going to keep going with this format. Uh, this is a live atheist call-in radio show, and we'll be talking about atheism, free thought, rational thought, humanism, and the sciences. And conversely, we'll also talk about religion, religious faiths, gods, holy books, and superstition. And despite what Steve Martin would have you think, there are an awful lot of atheist songs, and you'll be hearing them right here on this program and generally on this station as they are in rotation. I'll also be talking about the atheist and rationalist groups that exist right here in Knoxville and how you can connect with them. Uh, so please stay tuned. Uh, also, did you know that we have an atheist call-in television show broadcasting here in Knoxville? Ty, did you know that? Yeah, yeah. Six years now this show's been going on. And we'll be telling you how you can watch that and interact with the atheists online. Uh, our call-in number, if you'd like to call in during this radio show, is 865 865- Three 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 five nine three seven. That's eight six five three 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 five nine three seven. And um, Wombat, say a few words so you can get the speaker going again, please. Sure. Uh, so the topic of today's show is uh, kind of a relevant one to what we think of the news. I know we can't get entirely political, uh, but uh, we do have a new president. I guess since the last time I've been on the show. And he has been renowned for saying some really challenging things for what he's going to That's probably the nicest way I can put it. But I don't agree with the things that he said. And they're all on record if you want to find them. And I think both of us are aware of what they are. But what's done is inspired a lot of protests around America. There are things around the world. And I think it would be really good time to bring uh, up an analogous or a parallel topic to describe how women are seen in a lot of religious texts, not just the Bible, but a lot of other uh, holy books, and see if there's a trend of how women are looked upon by particularly conservative mindsets, particularly traditional mindsets, or particularly religious mindsets in, in, in that light. Um, what do you think? Yes, uh, definitely a good topic for today. Um, Religions generally do denigrate the female sex. Uh, we'll be talking about that during the entire hour. I'm working with some uh, microphones right now because one of them doesn't seem to be working, and we only have two. So uh, <laughs> I'm burnt. I'm with uh, some uh, audio issues. I think yeah. it's now a tradition in this show. Speaking of tradition. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're uh, we're working off of one microphone now, so I, I beg the uh, forbearance <laughs> of the audience. Anyway, um, would you like to go ahead and start on this this topic? Uh, sure. Go for it. Let's start with some of the favorite ones. I think you both know the Bible pretty well. We can start with that. But how about this? Um, we start when we talked about how women are treated. Let's let's begin with uh, the idea that men and women are equal, and which is one of the uh, pillars that we try to develop at least for equality. It's still a progress that is in the full process that we're trying to reach. But inherently, we do ideally want to treat people the same no matter what their sex is and or their genders or whatever. Uh, we have women and we have men, and we want to treat them both fairly and equally. And we can look to laws that show some sort of inequality and point to them, such as, you know, the Fair Pay Act, 
uh, or allowing women to have as equal access to health care as men or have sick leave and not have to risk losing their jobs or have equal representation in political offices. So we're, we're slowly progressing our way towards that. Um, and we can see that in the Bible, it seems to have a very much, uh, the Christian book has a very much more uh, of a, uh, inequality in a sense where it's, yes, these roles are not equal, but both sides have uh, some token given. But it's really just the balance of inequality in the sense that never expected to be the care, not the caregivers, but the, the money rewarding people, the people who go out for the job, you know, hunt, uh, bring the food, uh, and the women are more or less the caregivers where they traditionally would stay home, take care of their kids, and so on. Right. Um, it comes from a society, Bible, where men more or less have taken the roles of, you know, the politicians that protect peers, the hunters, whereas the women stay home and take care of the kids. And mm -hmm. the Bible very much reflects that mindset. What do you think? Well, of course, um, there's quite a few. I've noted down about ten different Bible verses that put women squarely as a second-class citizen responsible only right. to her husband. And what's really terrible is that in this day and age, where women have the right to own property, vote, work side-by-side side with men, and run governments even, there is still one area that they are not allowed power in. I mean, that's religion. They can't be uh, bishops. They can't uh, be in the governing board of many churches. Um, they're just not uh, given that. They can't even have control of their own bodies. Um, and it, it's a shame. Uh, um, and what's what's funny, and most people don't realize this, is as, as late as the 1945, during, like when the, or 1941, I guess, when the war started, women were, were not seen outside of the home hardly at all. Uh, they were relegated to home uh, housework, and they didn't have a place in, in uh, the workplace until the men were all taken away, and they had to uh, work in the factories to take their place. But it was just that recently that they started to see a bit of a change in the attitude toward women and their capabilities. I think that's a really great point. Um, what you have is a society where we grow women in homes where they're raised by women who more or less have to stay home because their fathers are out working, out participating in government, out participating in, uh, in the economy of whatever city or village they're living in. And they live in this very, very small circle where they can't necessarily break and join any form of leadership to affect cultural change. And I think religion's been designed in such a way, or at least the Bible or Christianity in this sense, has been designed in such a way to keep women in a certain box, right. uh, a box they can't get out of, a box where they have to mostly just take care of helping the men be more successful in their lives. And that way, the men can continue to have access to leaderships in their own religion, leaderships in uh, political realms, even have an entire God that is largely just a giant banner in the sky, yeah. whereas women stay relegated in their homes, take care of the kids, and continue to play the support role and never have the opportunity to break that. And if they try to, it could even be looked upon in a bad sense because it could come from a culture that would look badly at a woman that tried to do more with her life rather than just raise kids. Yeah. What's, what's funny, and I'm sure you've heard this before, that... Uh, um, if you're black in America, a lot of times the, the black atheists will point to you and say, you're, you're basically accepting the religion of the man who's enslaved you. And it's not that much different if you're a woman and you accept Christianity. It's just another type of slavery. Um, you know, that's a really interesting point. That's a really interesting point. Yeah. Keep going, I think that's a great point. Well, as the, First uh, Corinthians, uh, 14, 34 says, Women should be silent in church. It's not permitted for them to speak. They should be submissive. It is shameful for a woman to speak in the church. Now, that's not just the church. That's just that passage that says that they should be um, silent in the church. But First Timothy 2.11 says, Women should learn quietly and submissively. I suffer a woman not to teach nor usurp, usurp authority over a man, but to be silent. For it was the woman who was deceived. Now they mean that, of course, in the garden by the serpent. 
that she is still being blamed for that that mythological uh, fault that she has or uh, mistake that she made. It's, there is no such thing as the Garden of Eden. Uh, sorry, sorry, the Garden of Eden. Um, evolution proves that we came uh, up through other lower life forms. So there was no Garden of Eden, and if there, even if there was a garden, uh, it would have been like uh, the Old Jivigal, uh Valley in uh, in Africa, and there wouldn't have been a talking snake. Um, it's just incredible that we're still being ruled by the attitudes of the people that wrote these down 2,000, 2,500 years ago. Sure, I can even say on top of that, if there was a God in Eden and, and there was a God that made man and woman, but he gave them both minds to use and they're both effective and useful, why relegate one mind to this sub-level where it's only in a support role for the very first mind that existed? Uh-huh. It doesn't seem right. It seems like it, they both have worlds, they both have free worlds, and they both have capabilities of being able to fully perceive what it's like to be a human being and, and act empathetically to one another. They should at least have the opportunity to treat each other equally. Yeah. Yet, even through God's own commandment, there's a two, there's a binary system where it's man on top, one man on the bottom. Right. And you know, I think it's really interesting what you brought up with black people. I, there's a very famous quote by <laughs> a really, really wise man named Chris Rock, who was a comedian. Oh. <laughs> uh, he, he, still, he still performs, but he said, if you're black, and a Christian, you have a very bad memory. Because, especially if you're a black, and a, a black Christian in America. Because uh-huh. the, that's not a natural circumstance. Mm-hmm. That is clearly something that happened with black people being forcefully immigrated to uh, either the islands of, uh, let's see, like, well, around the same time as British Islands at the time, or American territories, so or straight up in America, uh, and forcibly robbed of whatever culture they had from whatever they came from and impregnated with the idea of that was in the Bible and along with it came the, the, the cultures and the identities of man on top, women on bottom man supposed to do X, Y, Z women supposed to stay home and take care of the kids yeah. and you'll see that even in black culture especially in like uh, uh, even the highest, from the highest levels to like the lowest levels of uh, American society you go to, say, like a ghetto, you will find black person supposed to work, whether it's in the mill, or like he works really hard at like some sort of like schoolyard, or in the, uh, like, in, or in a higher level, middle class, blue class. But the woman is either expected to be slightly less educated, or slightly less strong, and she's expected to have kids. You could go even to the highest level and have Barack Obama. You know, his wife also has a law degree, and his wife also has taught at uh, colleges. His wife has has also been a lawyer. She's been a lawyer longer than Barack Obama's been a lawyer, yet she's the one who had to give up the career well, sure. in, in a sense to support her husband on his path towards becoming a senator, towards his path towards becoming a president of the United States. And, and if it was the opposite, if that sounds crazy to you, if you were to switch the roles and it was uh, Michelle Obama who was running for president and Barack Obama supporting her as the first gentleman, People would go crazy. That system would never work. No one would take it. And we have very much a society that still seems to have the mindset of what is dictated in the Holy Book that was written thousands of years ago. And it just seems like it's an unfortunate thing because we, we are purposely robbing ourselves of at least 50% of really great minds that can help move our country forward. Yeah. Uh, Robert G. Ingersoll wrote a long time ago that uh, women are to be, to be commended uh, because... For all of the the terrible stuff that's in the uh, in the Bible that's commanded of men to do, uh, there doesn't seem to be a single story that uh, uh, we can uh, verify that was written by a woman. So uh, all the terrible stuff that's in the Bible, we we cannot lay at the women's feet. It of course have to be at the men, and of course the men were the authority figures that put down the quote word of God to begin with. Uh, it almost sounds like a, the Bible was made up by a bunch of angry, misogynistic, authoritative men <laughs> to to uh, virtually enslave women, doesn't it? Rather than the so word of God. So before, before, before we throw out those labels and just say, hey, men, you, you terrible things, you terrible people, let's, let's keep in mind that we're talking about a culture. Mm-hmm. And the culture is made up of all the people that's, make, that's inside it. Right. Because if you were to go to, say, 
a family that's traditional where the mom does stay at home and the dad does work and you go to the woman and say, yeah. you're being trapped, your husband's trapped and say, your husband's, you know, brainwashing you, you've been stripped by every single man in your life. That's very decision she can look to on her own and if she heard that from you, she probably wouldn't believe you, she'd probably be offended by what you said. Right. Uh, right. Uh, for a lot of, the cultural mindset is really that affects and molds our identity. And if we grow up in a certain kind of culture, say we're, men wear pants. And we go to a culture where men don't wear pants. I don't know. Scotland yeah. or something yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> Scotland, I'm pretty sure you like wearing Right. So if you go to another culture with different things, you, you don't necessarily notice the things that really affect you. Right. So let's, let's really examine the culture. Uh, the culture that the Bible was written in was, was one where reading was very, very hard to do and was largely done by very, very rich people. And mm-hmm. those rich people tend to be male. And the male hegemony that was there wanted to write stories to um, to help write stories more or less for other people who could also read, who also tended to be male. Yeah. And in a sense, because of that culture where males were largely dominant, both in whatever uh, uh, warrior sect or um, leadership sect that was there, it was largely male dominated. And so only had to preach two males mm-hmm. because women were expected to follow along. And the culture reflected, well, of course women are just going to do whatever the men do because it was, <clears> this is really a, uh, a congregation of men coming together to determine how things are going to play from sure. here on out. That's why you have Jesus and his all his apostles are all male. Mm-hmm. That's why you have stories where Moses is leading everyone and his mom's gone, but you, you hear about his brother, you hear about his son, you hear about Isaac and his son, you hear about... Um, uh, a lot, and it's funny, it's, all the characters are made up of character right. types that right. men are very much attracted to. Right, and, and you have, you have, really you have very little uh, that Jesus actually said to his mother in the Bible, but the main thing that sticks mm-hmm. out to me is, woman, what, ha- what have I to do with you, is one of the mm-hmm. most famous quotes from Jesus to his mother. Um, the thing about it is, uh, you've seen this picture recently where President Trump uh, I need to wash out my mouth now. <laughs> uh, was signing was signing this uh, uh, abortion uh, presidential decree on abortion, and you had six men lined up behind him. You know, here again is men making laws uh, to curtail a woman's right to her own body and her own reproductive uh, functions. Um, it's 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 pretty bad, and I, I hate that it's just you and I talking about this today, but we do have an open line uh, if you're a lady and you'd like to talk about the women's role in religion or the misogyny of religion or even defend religion. Uh, you can call us at 865-333-5937, and we'll get a woman's voice in this discussion. And we are, yeah, opposite of Trump, we are at least defending that position rather than trying to take it over. Right. <laughs> The weird thing about the election is there was a lot of women that voted for Trump. A lot of women, I think it was about 43% of women voted for Trump. Mm-hmm. And they knew of his policies ahead of time. Yeah. So it's not like there was a surprise that he wanted to take away women's rights to their bodies or, you know, not could not even entertain the idea of an equal pay legislation or passing that in any sense. Yeah. Or helping have, let women get access to you know, uh, prenatal care or mental health insurance that was covered underneath Obamacare. Just, uh, there's a lot of things that they had to have done ahead of time that couldn't have been a surprise when they were, when they casted their diet for them. And again, it just goes down to what culture did they come from? Like, right. Uh, and mm-hmm. were they willing to question why they thought what they thought? And if they weren't, like, you just have to you just have to believe that it was a large evangelical movement that got the women to vote against their own self-interest like that mm. and I feel like it's a bit of a repeating history thing like this could have been the first time where a large culture sweep basically takes away the critical capabilities of a, a people such that they grew in a way that may be against their own interests mm-hmm. and Christianity as a whole still has those pillars in, in mind in terms of keeping women on a sub-level 
female men. Mm-hmm. And women should at least be aware of that and address it honestly. Right. Uh, let me read a couple more things from the Bible. If, if, you, if the listener doesn't think that there's much in the Bible that is, is misogynistic, Ephesians 5, 22 to 27. Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. So let the wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. And in uh, Paul, uh, Corinthians 11, 3, 7 and 9, the head of every man is Christ. The head of every woman is man. Man reflects God's glory, but woman reflects man's glory. Can you possibly think that there might be a man writing this and trying to put the words into the Almighty God so that to support his position so that he can get the women to do what he wants them to do? Uh, there's a there's a meme going around on the internet. It has a series of umbrellas, the biggest umbrella on the top and then a smaller one under it and an sm- even smaller one under that. The biggest umbrella is labeled Christ. The next one under it is labeled man or husband. And the one under that was woman. And uh, I put a note on it at the bottom saying, uh, since the, in all likelihood there's no God and Jesus doesn't exist, this particular arrangement is really handy for the priest or the preacher. Because the preacher, priest or the preacher is in the position of telling you what Christ wants. And everybody is in a hierarchy that follows down from that. That's an awful lot of power that we're putting in the hand of priests and preachers. Um, in, in Ecclesiastes 25, 19-24, No wickedness comes anywhere near the wickedness of a woman. Sin began with a woman, and thanks to her, we must all die. So that's that's a pretty damning line right there. Uh, it does it, with this line, you could pretty much um, excuse any any action against a woman. Um, point to this line and say, well, she had it coming. You know, Ecclesiastes. We can do whatever we want to women. They're wicked. And, and even more so, like you had brought up for in that quote, and it seems like I'm trying to wrap my mind for positive female role models in the Bible, and there seems to just be a lack of them. It seems yeah. almost as if, well, I mean, it, this is the case. The Bible was written by largely a bunch of people who didn't value women's input very much, right. nor fear that they would read the Bible every time and be upset and raise their alarm saying, hey, I think this Bible... The viewers request us poorly. Can we go to another rewrite? Right. <laughs> so, like you have Eve, she's the original rebel in a sense. She doesn't listen to God uh, warning in a sense, even though she wasn't there at the time, or she didn't listen to Adam. And because of her actions, now we have sin. And it's easy enough to blame it on Eve without realizing that it was really just a setup from God that caused everything to occur in the first place. Right. Theoretically, you know? he knows so everything. Oh, go for it. No, I was, I was just agreeing with you, saying that theoretically God knows everything. He knew all of this was going to happen. Why did he set it up yeah. this way? Why did he allow his book to be written like this, if if he exists? Exactly. You have Delilah, for example. She was a person who tried to take advantage uh, of Samson. He was busy killing many, many different kinds. Or, uh, I think he killed hundreds of Philistines and had gone on many rampages before. And she was just trying to figure out a way how to stop his power. Not that I'm fighting on one side, it's kind of a ridiculous story either way. But it seems like, again, you have a character that's contextualized as a conniving woman who takes advantage of a man and eventually gets the man in a situation where his eyes get cut out, his hair gets cut off, and he has to rely on God again to summon the power to kill her and all of her family and in this big complex. it's kind of a ridiculous thing. Again, it, it, even though she didn't kill, directly kill anybody, it's her that seemed like the evil person in that story. Right. Um, uh-huh. You have, you have Bathsheba. Uh, she is, I believe, a lady, or she was a bunch of beautiful women who uh, bathed on top of the roof. King David saw her. Uh-huh. Right. And because of his lust for her, ended up going down this uh, journey of despair when he, when he lost uh, a good faction of his army and, and wars, and he had a lot of wives at that point uh, that, that he started to develop more or less where he, he, he could only sustain by getting more wives, 
and then we ultimately had friends who were fighting with each other, and blamed all of that, despite not on his blood, not on the fact that he couldn't hold his kingdom, not on the fact that he was disobeying his own Ten Commandments at the time. He was essentially getting just the women mistreated for all of his despair. And you have stories like this all the way through the whole book. You have Jezebel, um, even Esther, who a lot of people uphold as a good figure, is seen as a bad Jew for going against her own Jewish identity, pretending to be someone else she wasn't, becoming a queen, and then going on a, uh, a killing spree, uh, uh, being seen as a vengeful, bloodthirsty character in her own book. Um, it's just a really serious problem that you don't have any good you know, characters that are seen in a good light. Right. Now, to be true, I mean, to be sure, there are an awful lot of wicked men in the Bible as well, but there, <laughs> there, <laughs> but there are an awful lot of uh, examples of good men in the Bible as well, especially in the New Testament. Uh, but you don't seem to have uh, any examples of, of good, virtuous women um, in, the, in the Bible, the only, hardly at all. Yeah, I think the only good one is Mary, and her only good thing is that she got pregnant, I don't even know if it was with consent or not. She just got told, hey, you're pregnant now. You're going to have Jesus deal with it. Oh, okay. And that's it. And, and that's you don't hear from her until after she gives birth, and then she disappears into the rest of the book, more or less. Yeah, yeah. She's there at the resurrection, but, I mean, that's about it. That's about it, more or less. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, shame. we're down at the bottom of the hour. I guess it's time to take a break. Uh, we're going to give a... Well, let's talk first about the Atheist Society in Knoxville, and then the break will give us a a little information about the Rationalists of East Tennessee and play a song. The Atheist Society of Knoxville meets every Tuesday at some bar or eatery in Knoxville. We have food, drink, conversation, and fun. Uh, If you uh, feel a a lack of good conversation in your life, I I remember times when I was single, I was single for years, and uh, I, w- I would actually go out to a bar just to have a conversation. It was, you know, I needed to talk to somebody and just have uh, that conversation. And uh, when you're sitting down with a free thinker and all, all things are on the table, that makes for a pretty good conversation. So if you'd like to come down and talk to a whole bunch of atheists, we usually get between 20, 25, maybe even 30 on a Tuesday night. We're going to be at Taps and Flats on Kingston Pike this Tuesday between, say, 5.30 and 8 o'clock. Um, we're welcome to come down. If you plan to pre-proselytize, provoke, or punch, please don't. Otherwise, you're welcome. You do not have to be an atheist to come down and talk to us. Um, now we're going to go into the break. Uh, the first message is from the Rationalists of East Tennessee. And then we'll hear Eve, which is on the same subject that we are. Uh, it's a song, <laughs> song by Shelley Seagal, or Siegel, excuse me. And we'll be back in about five minutes. Here we go. Goodbye. Oh. Do you find stories of talking snakes laughable? Do you prefer the scientific method over supernatural beliefs? Are you concerned about religious leaders and organizations imposing their values and rules on your body, your family, and the rest of our society? Well, take comfort in the fact that you're not alone. The Rationalists of East Tennessee meets weekly for fellowship and provides a forum for people who support skeptical thinking and rational discussion of these and other issues. To find out more information or to find out about our next meeting, visit us on the web at www.rationalist.org. The Bible tells me I was made for and from man And I must do for him everything that I can I must surrender to his will, yeah I must submit I can't make the household decisions Cause I am unfit It tells me my place With everlasting grace Bible tells me I must decide to can't hear my voice. My role has been divinely defined, and I have no other choice. I may not be a teacher man. I must cover up my shame. These are the laws of the one who in vain I cannot name. He tells me my place.
you cannot touch me And it has nothing to do with where I've been It is part of who I am It is because I corrupt men I was asking for it just by being no man To tell you my place Well, that ended quickly. I'm surprised that it, it just didn't taper off a little bit. I'll have to look at that MP3. We are uh, WOZO 103.9 LPFM right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour, and I'm Doubter 5, and this is Wombat on the phone with me today. Hey, Wombat. And we're talking about misogyny and religion. Um, did you have a, a place you wanted to go right after the break on this? Christians would even take a minute to realize the stuff that they're ignoring in the Bible. You know, why are you ignoring it? It's all theoretically the breathed word of God. I mean, uh, you shouldn't be eating shellfish. You shouldn't be uh, planting crops uh, in the same field, different crops in the same field. You shouldn't be wearing different fibers on your on your person. Uh, there are a hundred, what was it, 630 yeah, 630-something commandments in Leviticus and Deuteronomy that you should be uh, obeying, and you simply ignore them. Matter of fact, a lot of people say that since Jesus came, we don't have to pay attention to the Old Testament anymore. And I say, fine, that means that we don't have to listen to the Ten Commandments. We don't need uh, plaques in our schools or monuments outside our courthouses because the Ten Commandments are in the Old Testament. Oh, yeah, but we need to pay attention to them. Uh, yeah. You can pick and choose all you want to, but if you if you're picking and choosing, that you're just basically saying that there are things in the Bible that that aren't are, that are ignorable that we don't have to worry about, and that's that's just silly. Um, go ahead. Okay. Um, sure. I'll get into the announcements after we get get through with Judaism. Go ahead. Father's name, like uh, Harry Jones. 
Muslims, for example, mm -hmm. but women are referred to in the Torah as Dina, daughter of Jacob, or something, uh, Linda, daughter of Job. Wow. Uh, in a sense where they are constantly referred to, or they don't necessarily have an identity that's apart from the man. Right. They are always going to be referred to in context to a uh, man yeah, yeah. that is beside them, whether well, they're husband or their father. Right. They're, they're basically the property of that man, uh, still going on today in the Middle East, by the way. Uh, also, they are referred to as um, in relationship to the man because they, there has to be a man uh, or the, you know, the women in the Bible who are, most of the time don't even have a name. They, they'll just say so-and-so's wife and tell a story about her. And why, why even give her, give her a name in the Bible? Uh, just let's say second place citizenship, third place. They actually have a word for it. So uh, women in Hebrew law are referred to as Hagenit Hagenit, which is kind of like English translation for the the homestead or the domestair. And their word as an Hagenit Hagenit is uh, largely just a tense of family and household duties. And that's specifically the role of women in Hebrew culture, and which refers, which reflects itself in the Torah and ultimately what we see in Jewish culture today. Really? In the Bible, yeah. to, as far as slavery goes, uh, it says in the Bible that if you if you have a male slave and he has taken a wife and has children uh, and you decide to let him go or for some reason he has earned his freedom, uh, his wife and children have to stay. They're property. Mm -hmm. you know? Now, if he wants to stay with them, then fine... He uh, you mark. It tells how you should mark his ear by his standing him against the door and driving a nail through his ear. Then he's your property forever. Mm. And also, uh, the so leaders in Judaism are referred to as rabbis, and it hasn't been until say, the last five hundred years that we've actually had you know rabbis. So it's actually in purpose. There's more of them um, coming to that level. Uh, every year, and it's really good that they're beginning to integrate themselves more in a, in a co-ed sense, particularly at the higher uh, leadership levels in their own doctrine. Uh -huh. But it's only it's something that's been recently done in the wide spectrum for how long Judaism has actually been a player in shaping world culture. And like I said, we're slowly evolving in a way where we're getting women involved in leadership roles, and it's a good thing to see, but ultimately it's Supporting a culture where women are again looked on as people who are supposed to stay home, get married, or get married, stay home, raise the kids. And even if women are participating in that, it's very sweet in the sense that they got to that leadership level, but they're still now just pronouncing the same culture that puts, uh, that puts women on that such level. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. any announcements you got? Oh, well, I need to talk about the groups that we have here in Knoxville. Let's start, at, uh, start with the TV show. Uh, we have a TV show that's been going on in Knoxville for a TV show. We do. Atheists have a TV yeah, show in Knoxville, Tennessee. It's been going on for over six years. Bet you didn't know that. What? Yes. That's yeah, that. yeah, I should have. It's called Free Thought Forum. You can watch it every Tuesday at 5 o'clock on Comcast Channel 12 or Charter Channel 192. Or you can watch it streaming online at ctvnox.org. Also, if you go to YouTube, you might be able to find our archives or a fan's archives. Somebody has been recording them and putting them on YouTube, and you can find them by searching for Free Thought Forum Knoxville. That's three words. Free Thought is one word. Also, we talked about the Atheist Society of Knoxville and the Rationalists of East Tennessee and how you can get with them. Um, this this radio show is every Sunday at six o'clock, and you're more than welcome to join us every every Sunday at six. But we also have another group in Knoxville called the Sunday, excuse me, Sunday Assembly. Uh, it's a started in England just a few years ago, and now it's spread across the world. It's a church setting that has no God. It's a no God church setting for those who have had enough of religion, but still like the free the fellowship of a church type gathering. They meet at the International Building downtown in Knoxville, uh, the fourth Sunday of every month. It's only one Sunday a month, so uh, be sure that if you go, it's on the fourth Sunday. 
Also, there's the Secular Student Alliance, which has programs to give camaraderie and community to any free-thinking high school or college student who would like to get involved in the free thought movement or just find some secular companionship in the Bible Belt. Um, do a search on Google for Secular Student Alliance, and you'll find more information ways you can join up with them. I guess that's about it. Uh, where do we want to move to next? Uh, how about this? Um, so my job right now is a scientist, and I work in uh, Kentucky, and I work partially uh, towards breaking down uh, really dangerous uh, chemical weapons so that we don't really? do it exist anymore. Okay. And I really like this job, but one thing that I noticed, particularly in my field of work, See it from the, by the people, by the women. You can see this by the women who have actually taken up those, uh, like physics and and uh, medicine and uh, biology, anthropology. They do really well. They do as well as their male counterparts. So uh, exactly. there, there's really really no reason not to do that. Right. The proof is in the pudding. All you got to do is look up, look up all the uh, female scientists we have, and see the laurels that we've uh, handed to them for their works, uh, going all the way yeah. back to uh, Madame Curie. Yeah, even further back to Madame Curie. There's always several really great thinkers and writers and uh, that uh, predate her, and it's just a shame that we've lost yeah. all of those opportunities. Yeah. Because we had a very uh, stifling culture. Right. And, yeah, just if the listener would take a minute and Google Hypatia of the uh, Library of Alexandria, uh, that's a very illustrious lady scientist, mathematician, and uh, author uh, from, what, 2,500 years ago. So let's take a second to go up. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, what's, what's your opinion? <laughs> well, of course. Yeah, all you got to do is look up on on YouTube, you know, about the um, Islamic's uh, view on women, and the Islamists or the Muslim themselves will say, "Well, we treat them like like they are made of china or gold. We we put them up on on pedestals and we we uh, protect them." Uh, but the thing about it is, uh, they protect them as po- as property. They don't let them go out because they may be damaged or hurt. Uh, they don't let them shop by themselves. They don't let. They, if they go out, they must have a male person with them. Uh, and the uh, catcalling and uh, abuse and um, what's the word? Um, I guess physical abuse and and assaults on women who are alone is legendary. It wouldn't take two seconds of a Google search to turn up dozens and dozens of examples of that. Uh, and it all falls back to the Quran. It all falls back to uh, to the belief system that they're, that they're, uh, they're 
following. I'll put it that way. Before the Christian listener uh, feels superior, of course, uh, there's many examples in the Bible as well about uh, God, God or Moses or David uh, ordering his men to plunder villages and take uh, take slaves and uh, take the women who have not known a man and, and keep them for yourselves type of thing. Sure. And, uh, If it's an actual, yeah, if it's an actual rape, the woman is not protected. Uh, the the rapist and the woman have to be killed, unless of course he decides that he wants to pay her father uh, fifty shekels, then then he can marry her. So, can you imagine living in a society where you get raped and then you have to marry your rapist and live with him forever, right. serve serve him forever, have his children? That's that's your Bible. Uh huh. Okay, um, we were talking about uh, the biblical support for for circumcision. Um, uh, when we were the music was playing, we were we were talking about that, and uh, of course that it's it's just amazing to me that the creator of the universe, this totally enlightened uh, super being, would care anything about um, our our foreskins, and if he did, even if he did, why would he put them on us to have us cut them off? And it gets even worse. I, this is a this is a point I was I was making about uh, about women being second class. It's it's not only that you have to uh, in, in female circumcision that you have to uh, cleave off some uh, some skin like on the man. You literally have to remove most of the uh, area down there, including the most sensitive parts. Uh, and this is still going on today. Uh, just look up female circumcision. Right. I'm a man. I can get the whole of my penis removed, and that, in a way, enhances the pleasure of sex in, in, in a lot of cases. Theoretically, but for women, you're completely removing a clitoris, which completely renders sex 
as a non-sensible experience. No, it, that's, that's a misnomer. Um, if you look up, uh, yeah, if you, uh, if you do a search on that, you'll find out that the clitoris is not only in that one particular area. It's basically throughout the area. It's a very large organ. Um, but it it's, but, yeah, significantly reduces it, I think. Would, yeah, I think that would be good. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and when you think about uh, uh, masturbation in today's society, the 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 problem with masturbation is that Christianity and all the other religions that we know of call it a sin. It is a sin against God, and they generally point to the sin of Onan to uh, to justify that. Uh, Onan's brother died, and the law said that. You must, uh, if you if you have a brother who died and he has a wife, then you must uh, give that woman, his ex-wife or his, his widow, children. You must impregnate her and give her children. Well, Onan did not do that. Uh, rather, he spilled his seed upon the ground, as the Bible says, uh, and God struck him dead. But it wasn't for masturbation. This is the whole basis for the sin of masturbation in, in America today and other countries. It's, Onan has nothing to do with, with self-pleasure. It has to do with not obeying the com- commandment that God gave him to, to uh, provide children for, uh, for his brother's wives. I think that's a great point. Yep. Uh, if I were to bring up more con- uh, things that the Bible and Judaism have in common, along and Islam, along with anti-masturbation, it's also polygamy. Uh, not so much in a... Oh, so, in ancient times, polygamy was not even looked at as a, uh, an appalling thing. But as we've gotten closer towards what the society and modern understanding of how women and men both think and need to behave in our society today, as we've gotten towards a more modern understanding of people, uh, polygamy is starting to drift out of uh, very dogmatic beliefs and kind of being washed away or considered as an absolute in the past, like, oh, that's what they did back then, but really, we don't do polygamy, or we have X, Y, Z beliefs, and they're far more modern and easy to accept. Yeah. Have you noticed that? Unless you live in Utah. Unless you live in Utah. So Mormon is actually, or Mormonism is actually one of the religions that is beginning to uh, push, or has been pushing away polygamy, and what you really just see are uh, sects of Mormons that separate Of course not. Um, when they came about, they were absolutely for it, but they dropped it as, as society has evolved and began to treat people as more. Mainstream Mormonism does not uh, condone uh, uh, po- polygamy. However, there are an awful lot of uh, enclaves and uh, uh, private properties out there that have been segregated off. That where it's still being practiced, and we, we hear that in the news occasionally, that uh, they're being uh, raided for um, underage sex and polygamy and and things of that nature. Uh, so we know it's still going on, and it's generally sure. Mormonism when when it does happen. The point I was making. For the topic, polygamy is allowed, but only for men. In all cases, in Christianity, Islam, and Judaism. Whenever polygamy has occurred or has been written about or has been detailed in any degree, it's always the man with multiple wives and right. never the other way around. Right. Wait. Uh... There, there's an old joke. It's it's a misogynistic joke, but I thought it was funny, and it would be good the other way around too. So it's not too bad. It says, "What's the punishment? <laughs> what, what's the punishment for polygamy? Having having multiple wives and vice versa. Anyway. Okay. So. Okay. Sure. I don't know much about it. So, Hinduism is uh, part from the development. So, like, you have Judaism and Christianity spawned from that. And then, in a lot of ways, Islam has spawned from Christianity because Islam is a 
because they recognize Jesus as one of the prophets. They just have a different idea of how he died, and another prophet that came immediately after him, uh, whose name was Muhammad. So that is a path. And outside of that path, or path is uh, how that religion evolved over time. Outside of that, a different branch entirely is Hinduism. Uh, Hinduism has uh, as a really, really rich religion, has a lot of uh, many different gods, and they have a whole book called the Bhagavad Gita. Inside this book details uh, how people should behave. There's a lot of uh, edicts for how culture should be developed, and it has led to some socio-political problems as well. And it's really interesting to see that history as well. Um, one of the practices that you'll see though is, uh, or one of the practices that they used to do in the past, but it's going to become obsolete, is the practice of sake. Um, since men were the only ones that were allowed to own property at that time, uh, when a man dies and leaves behind a woman, it's was seen as a burden on society because the woman had to like rely on people to support her, or the woman would have had to rely on people to support her if she didn't commit Saudi. And what yeah. Saudi is, is as a man's burned on a pyre to, as his corpse was burned on a pyre, a big flame, the woman was also supposed to be put on that flame alive and die along with the husband. And that was seen as the mandatory action that every, uh, every person should do. And it's actually a practice that affects ancient Sikhism as well. So you have these two religions that have basically human sacrifices of men because the women are longer seen as valuable to society whatsoever. But these are, of course, seen as absolute things as we progress and become more mainstream with development. Right. Well, I hate to say it, but we're coming down to the or coming up to the top of the hour. We've only got a few minutes left. Uh, would you like to sum up a little bit before we go? Sure. So I think it goes back to a lot of what you said. Um, as religions become more modern, as they become more mainstream, they they tend to uh, go away from the dogmatic beliefs and become more of a modern belief system that doesn't have the ancient stuff. So the further away they get from what was originally written down in the text, the better they improve and the better they treat people and the more equal they become for both men and women. And I think if we were to just extrapolate the point, we can see that when we finally get rid of those ancient beliefs and start recognizing people as, you know, uh, agents on their own, they each have a uh, useful way uh, in society and a useful role and a good way to impact both our economy and any kind of societal structure. These guys um, are useful and they should be treated equally and the religion that tells them that they're not should be followed true and what i'd like to say toward the end of the hour or, or now is that even though we advocate uh for a woman being whatever she wants to be if she still would rather uh, keep home raise a family that's certainly within her choice but as long as it is her choice and she's not mandated to that position by the men of her society and that's and about one last, sure one last thing. if you want to stay home and raise kids too that's also clear too we shouldn't look down on that either right right it's certainly well worthwhile. Certainly. Anyway, um, this is Doubter Five saying um, goodbye and uh, don't feel so smug. Everybody's going to somebody else's hell. And the time to worry about it is when you actually have proof that hell exists and souls exist. Say goodbye, Wombat. Wombat, goodbye. <laughs> we'll see you next week. It seems to me the species Homo sapiens carries the Hutzpah gene. To think they are the purpose of the universe when they only just arrived on the scene. What's even worse, they bear a curse of believing they're the only form of life to never die and go on living. Somewhere high up in the sky Somewhere high up in the sky So why don't bees go to heaven And trees go to heaven Amoeba, krill and fleas go to heaven It's not surprising that they're not arising Cause man created God This grain of sand upon an infinite beach Had been supporting life for trillions of spins Then along came humans who started assuming That this was where it begins So profoundly naive they began to perceive These primates were the only ones To never die 
and go on living somewhere high up in the sky. Somewhere high up in the sky. So why don't worms go to heaven and germs go to heaven? Spiders, snakes, and sperms go to heaven. It's quite expected that they're not resurrected because man created a god. If man created Zeus and the god of the sun, if man created Shiva and the god of Abraham, from all of life, why should the only one saved be the species worst behaved? Well, that's because that same species, Homo sapiens, bringing the voice of the people to all of Knoxville. This is WOZO LP 103.9 FM, Knoxville, Tennessee.